Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on a crisp, cool day after Christmas, Boxing Day. And uh, we had a lot of football over the weekend, a lot of NFL stuff. The Falcons got to play on Saturday, giving us Christmas Day off to kind of watch everybody else toil in misery uh, while they scrambled around and played some bad football and some decent football. But I hope it was a good holiday weekend for everybody, rolling it right on through this week into New Year's Eve and a happy new year for everyone. So today I want to get into a bunch of things. Um, you know, we've got about 30 minutes or so on Monday mornings. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, I wanted to reflect on the game a little bit. Um, I am not one to typically complain about officiating. I will today. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Arthur Smith and kind of get the pulse. How are you feeling? You know, Falcons fans, Falcons nation, Falcons country, whatever we actually call ourselves, rise up nation, dirty birds. How are you feeling? Dirty birds. About the state of the program right now, uh, where they are, you know, they, at five and six, somewhere around the neighborhood, things felt pretty good. And then four straight losses, all of a sudden, you know, I see people start calling for Arthur Smith's head, changes here, changes there. I want to take your temperature this morning before we get out of here as well. And then we'll we'll take a look at the draft order and, uh, you know, see the possibilities that are happening. And, uh, and then we'll get out of here and we'll get ready for Wednesday. So, First up this morning, Dave is already in on YouTube. Appreciate you. And Joe Cannon has already liked the video on Facebook. I figured he had a com, uh, comment coming. And he says, good morning. Great morning, Scott and Nick. I don't get bad when we lose, but when we get cheated, it really pisses me off. I'll touch on that as well. And, and Dave then says, some of this fan base really want Coach Smith fired. How silly. Um, and let's let's touch on, the, uh, on Joe's point first, because I, I think I, I said that's where I wanted to start. And, and Nick should be joining us. I know we've got Broncos for breakfast. I didn't actually confirm with him. We just kind of assume he's going to be here. And he usually rolls in a couple minutes after. He's in Seattle. So, you know, 6 a.m. is awfully early. And I can hold it down with the introduction. So when uh, I, I feel the way Joe does on this, you know, we're, we're Falcons fans. You know my expectations for this year that most of y'all have come in here. This isn't your first time. If it is, welcome. Um you know, I think I picked this team either two and fifteen or three and fourteen. You know, based on the level of attrition to the to the team, the uh, available talent or lack thereof. I mean, this team right now is down to ninety two million dollars in available contracts. So when, what that means is, you can look at the salary cap and what you're paying, and the Falcons are right up against it. They're paying out as much money as anybody in the league. Eighty six million dollars of it is going to players who don't play for the Falcons. That's almost half. Then you throw in a couple of injured reserves. Marcus Mariota goes on injured reserve. A couple of players get hurt. They're not available. So all the players that are not on the active roster, that gets you add that up and you call that available contracts. The available contracts for the Falcons is $92 million out of a possible about 210. That is by far the worst in the league. So when you're looking at that, you're, you know, I'm willing to cut Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot a little slack. It's not their fault that they're at $92 million. That was Thomas Dimitrov's fault. They're at $92 million. But I'm with Joe on this. Um, and just to repeat, he says, I don't get mad when we lose, but when we get cheated, it really pisses me off. I'm watching this game with my father-in-law, you know, the day before Christmas. And, you know, I sound like one of those, well, I kind of sound like him. He's the calmest man I know unless he watches football and then he turns into a crazy person. Um, you know, I'm just railing at the officiating, you know, and, and the thing, they're all going against Falcons fans. And one of the things I, against the Falcons, what I've said is I may be biased 
it doesn't mean I'm wrong. You know, everybody's biased. That's what makes us who we are. I might be biased. Arthur Smith is biased. He wasn't wrong. Those those calls were horrendous. Um, we can run through all of them. We can run. We don't have to run through all of them, but we can we can step through a couple of them. I want to say good morning to my co-host Nick Kendall, coming in from Seattle, coming in chilly. I'd say coming in hot, but I know better. Coming in cold from Seattle, so we are coast to coast today. I'm uh, in the teens here in Atlanta, and Nick's up in the frosty, great white north. <laughs> so welcome, uh, welcome in, Nick. How are you? And Merry Christmas. Yeah, doing pretty good. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy whatever you uh, celebrate out there. We appreciate you all coming in. I'm doing pretty well, uh, all things considered. Uh, Broncos can't get me down <laughs> anymore. Uh, enjoyed the hell out of the slime game. Um, and uh, I understand we're talking a little bit about the officiating, but uh, I'm going to be glass half full. Um, this is a Falcons team that arrived a year early. If you won this game, where are you dropping to in the draft? 10, 11? Now you're sitting there at 6? Uh, I think after the Rams lost yesterday or win yesterday, <laughs> Broncos lost. Uh, so maybe in the long run, it's better that you lose that game, but it's definitely frustrating in the moment. You were right. It did feel like every single call was like, are you kidding me? Uh, coming against the Falcons. Yeah. The, and they're going against, <clears throat> you know, the first one was a, maybe I don't remember the order of them, to be honest with you. I've watched so much football since then, but you know, a, a great catch along the sidelines by Drake London ruled out of bounds. Okay. It's close. Uh, Michael Pruitt with his his rollover catch and reception that was clearly a catch. I mean, clearly a catch ruled incomplete and then confirmed as incomplete. I'm like, you're it's it's like, well, it hit the ball there. Someone said so I, I was like, I'm, I'm yelling at the camera and I'm yelling at my father in law. It's allowed to hit the ground. And I'm not sure it even did, but it's allowed to hit the ground if, if it doesn't help you catch it. The the two. The one that uh, really got me though was the the holding call, and then uh, what was the uh, and the path, the uh, the intentional grounding call? I mean, the holding call is called, and that's the one that makes you just kind of go, mm-hmm, when you start when your conspiracy theorists are going because the 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 player that was flopped, you know, they showed Arthur Smith twenty times saying it's a flop, he's just holding his back's to the official that that threw the flag. Zacchaeus, he can't even see. Zacchaeus can't even see him completely shielded and the ref standing right next to them doesn't throw the flag the guy the back judge does that's the one that just makes you go "Ooh, that one was bad and then I and then uh, you know even their touchdown where the ball's kind of sliding down is, is questionable goes against one like okay I'll, I'll give you that one but that one, and then the uh, the one where he's he's called for pass interference, where he's clearly hit. I mean, not pass interference, intentional grounding. You know, yeah. first and goal at the two with thirty seconds left. I can run three plays from the two, mm-hmm. and I even have a timeout left. I'm, I'm saving it, so I can run the ball. And intentional grounding drops him back to the fifteen. Just horrible again. And as I'm sitting there saying, I'm like, I don't expect to win this game. I don't really ever expect expect the Falcons to win any games this year. I don't want to be cheated out of it. I want it to be fair. And that was just awful. It was awful officiating. Yeah, not good. And you expect better. And it's been kind of a an issue this whole year uh, with officiating. But this one kind of felt the, oh, man, nice coffee mug you got there. Um, this, that one felt like the, uh, the most obvious um, of one of the games I've seen this season. So definitely frustrating. Um, good on the Falcons to, you know, keep fighting. Uh, but when you're fighting, you know, the 11 guys on the field plus the stripes 
it can be frustrating. So. Yeah, and like I said, I, I don't expect it. Falcons Nation's pop it in and, and uh, remember, you don't. Uh, Falcons Nation isn't going to have to convince us. We're, we're draft guys. Yeah. <laughs> but he says, "How happy holidays, Kennedy and Nick." Remember, we finished six and two in 2019 and started zero and five in two twenty in twenty twenty. That's my argument for what I say we should lose the next two games for a higher draft pick. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you're, you're, you're probably happy. It's better off that you did lose this game, but fair is fair, and and that wasn't fair. And that makes me angry. I don't care if that goes against the Baltimore Ravens. The spirit of competition is lost when it is tainted by such bad outside influences. And that's why we love sports. And it it angers me when I see this. I talked about, I'll stick up for officials a lot. In fact, I did last week. See what happens? I stick up for, for Todd McShay. I stick up for officiating. And all of a sudden, they just rub it in my face. You know, don't do that, Scott. You know, I've been around high school officials and everything and umpires and you know, they love the game. They really do because it's a crap job. It's it's a thankless job um, where you just you really want to see something. You want to see it fair. You want to see the spirit of competition and it, to have that taken away. Just it's it sucks. Um, but yeah, the Falcons, I haven't checked Tankathon because I've looked at it so many times, but the Falcons should have moved to number six. Yeah, they have with the lot with the LA Rams win. Um, they were a couple of minutes away from moving to five with uh the Cardinals last night, but they're mm-hmm. god awful. And then the Colts could move them up to five tonight. So the Colts aren't very good, but if the Colts win, they could move up to five. And this is a team that desperately needs a high pick, has all the cap money in the world coming next year, that losing these next two games and going in at five and twelve. While it's going to have lots of people complaining about Arthur Smith, it's it's what would be best for this team. Again, when you incentivize teams for losing, don't surprise, don't be surprised when they do lose. Not that they're trying to lose. That's the thing, Nick. It's obvious these guys are fighting. They are because a lot yeah. of them are on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. Putting the best tape out there for whatever's next for them, and you know, trying to build on something. And get better. And yeah, I agree with the last comment you showed. Uh, getting Arthur Smith fired would be really stupid. Uh, he's running a good offense with his hands tied behind his back. They've made some investments on the offense, no doubt. But the I hate to say it, I mean, it's a small sample size, but the Desmond Ritter experience so far has not done anything for me. I have not felt any, you know, tinglies <laughs> watching him play. Uh, a few good plays here or there. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, abandon ship or anything on him. But if, mm-hmm. if this is an audition for next year, so far, the first act has not been great. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen and, enough that makes me think that the quarterback position is set for next year. But again, it's a small sample size. And yeah. it's been two tough conditions, okay? Yeah. I want to see this, to me, is the best lit- litmus test so far. Coming up when they play the Cardinals. The Cardinals are bad. It'll be at home. It'll be climate-controlled. Playing against the Saints, they got a good secondary. At New Orleans, it's tough. tough place to make your first start. Yeah. At Baltimore, any time of the year is tough, let alone when it's 15 degrees out there. So it, it was, you know, and I did. I, I did see some good things that I was pleased with from uh, from Desmond Ritter. But I have, like I said, and, and you said, we haven't seen enough to say, okay, do you pass on C.J. Stroud at five? You know, if if you drop, if you beat the Cardinals and drop into the eight spot, is, is Will Levis there? Are you, are you interested? Or do we do we take a reach on Anthony Richardson? who might fit this offense really, really well. Uh, maybe, maybe. I want to say good morning to Keith Robbins as well. Good morning, Keith. 
appreciate you coming in. And Joe is is uh, happy to see Nick. Nick come in. Nick's my guy. He understands my way of thinking. I think we all, we, we don't share a brain because we there's disagreements in here and there will people come in and, and they'll say, you know, Arthur Smith's terrible. He might be, but he's working with nothing. I mean, the, the especially on defense. Yeah. You know, I go and real quick, Nick, I brought up, I want to bring up the, the snap counts or, you know, the highest rate of positions. Jalen Dalton, number 94. I couldn't have told you. I thought that was Jaleel Johnson. I was like, who is 94? It was, it was Jalen Dalton. He was a, a, a waiver wire pickup practice squad guy. Timmy Horn, undrafted free agent. Isaiah Oliver, coming off a torn ACL. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, journeyman, signs for a pretty cheap deal. Jaleel Johnson, there's my guy, number 90. Uh, only nine total snaps, but he was a waiver wire practice squad guy. Cornell Armstrong, cornerback, 46 snaps. Practice squad, waiver wire. Abdullah Anderson, nose guard. Like him, 37 snaps. Practice squad, nose guard. Um, you're getting the idea here when we're talking about how this team is trying to go out there and fight in the, uh, in, especially on defense. There's been some investment in the offense. You go and do that on offense, and it's like, okay, first round pick, first round pick, um, third round pick, and, and there's some, and you you can see it. The offense is definitely ahead of the of the of the defense, but it's a it's a rebuild for sure, Nick. Even though they wouldn't say it, it is. Yeah, and probably still somewhat rebuilding next season as well because there, you need enough pieces there, and you're always rebuilding until you know you have your quarterback there. So, and we'll find out about that. And we got two more games left to see what Desmond Ritter has uh, for the season. And we got Dave coming in saying, "If Grady Jarrett asks for a trade this off season, would you consider it?" I would most certainly. I'm not sure what the contract looks like as far as a trade goes. I'm not sure if Grady is going to ask for a trade. It feels like he's pretty much Atlanta through and through, but I guess you never know. I mean, this is an off season where they could really like, you know, pay an edge rusher or pay another uh, defensive back or something that make his job easier. Uh, just when things are getting seemingly getting better. I don't know if Grady would ask for a trade, but I mean, heck if he asked for a trade, you probably want to respect his wishes given how much he's, uh, been a true not a true a true falcon you know but like a really great player for this franchise both on and off the field so pre-june one it wouldn't really work um let me look up the post june one numbers because is, is he's got a 20 million cap hit against 28 millions a trade post june one uh saves about 16 million assuming that someone's picking up all of his contract which again 20 million for grady jarrett for a team that has the space and needs to plug in a plug and play defensive lineman is a fair price. I mean, he's a he's a difference maker for your team. He's, yeah. you know, I mean, he's every bit as good as Von Miller was for the Rams. When you're trying to get what Von Miller is, he's every bit as good as that, and what the Bills are paying him in that direction. So, um, you know, would you consider it, Dave? I'd I'd consider just about anything. You know, I mean, yeah. if if they if someone comes and says, I'm going to listen. Now, what's it going to take? Um, you know, in, in soccer terms, we said it's it's contracts, you know, so it, it's money. And mm -hmm. people are like, they want $100 million for that guy? That's that's so stupid. They're out of their minds. I'm like, that's that's like throwing up a not for sale sign. You know, you it's the same way. It's like, Grady Jarrett, all right, give me a first round pick, a starter, and I'll think about answering the phone. Maybe. You know, I'll, I'll think about it. And then, and then, But I'll, I'll listen. You know, A.J. Terrell is, is close to untouchable or Kyle Pitts or Drake London. Those are probably the three most untouchable players on the team right now. 
Chris Lindstrom? Chris Lindstrom, but again, if he's in a position where he can start turning down contract extensions. Yeah. I mean, you can tag him and stuff, but he's he's under he, he you've got many more years of control on gotcha. expensive skill guys in cornerbacks and wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so but yeah, he'd he'd be next. He'd probably be next. Yeah. Um but, you know, if someone calls, hey, we're interested in A.J. Terrell. Here's three first-round picks. I'm like, well, A.J., you got to pack. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. So, yeah, you consider it, but it's got to yeah. be, and I, I'd be stupid to turn this down type of deal. It's a little different for me if Grady comes to your front office and asks for a trade versus we are taking calls for him and not that interested. Yeah, that's we're not it. putting it's, him on the block. Yeah. He's not on the block. And, and, if, and if he does try and push for one, say, listen – you you say this say Grady, you know, love you, thank you. Uh we'll see what we can do, but it's gotta be a fair deal for us. Yeah. And and and, and he'd understand that. So it, it didn't work out. He would um he would he would understand that. Uh triple eight, Dr. Pepper comes in. He says, Arizona stinks. I see no way the Falcons lose to them at home next week. Unfortunately, I'm with you. I I, I went in vehemently last week after watching, you know, we talk a lot of Broncos on on another channel. Just Pump the brakes on anything you might think or see or feel about the way these Denver Broncos are going. Oh, is, you know, is, Denver, is Nathaniel Hackett going to turn it around after, you know, they're starting to win a game. The Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in football, and, and they're not shy about it is the thing. They're, they're almost like embracing it. You can't say tank because that's unethical, but they're, they're tanking. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay is not very good right now, no. um, and it was a home game, but being at home, the, the, I think the, I think this will be a good showcase game for Desmond Ritter to go out there and put up 20 for 27 and, you know, 250 yards and a couple of touchdowns, you know, and, and, and rush the ball. This would be a good game for, for him to get going. Uh, Kevin Spires says, thank you for calling out that horrible officiating. Sure, we don't have a good team, but we and other, every other team deserve a fair game. I don't want to believe the officials are bought off, but if they are, I'll double it. <laughs> And I don't even ask for my team to receive a favor. I'd be paying for fairness for all teams. It was joke uh, Caddyshack when they're going out there for the final thing and and uh, and and Roddy Dangerfield's handing them hundreds. He, keep it fair, ref. Keep it fair. He's like, oh, I can't take that. <laughs> He's stuffing it in his, in his pocket. And yes, like I said, when it starts becoming when it, it ruins the game, yeah. it just does. It ruins the game for you. I'm not taking anything away from the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not. I'm not going out there and saying, oh, you guys should have been beat. I'm mad. They're not trash talking us. They're actually kind of upset with where their team is. It's like we're winning, but we're not very good. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not saying that they they the Falcons would have won this game. And frankly, it's better off that the Falcons lose this game. Don't talk to me about playoffs for a six and nine team if they had won. If you're six and nine, you don't belong in the playoffs. I don't care what the the that's the teams are. You're better off losing this game anyway. But it, it needs to be it needs to be fair, man. Come on, that, that, that was awful. And you yep. know, there's there's jobs on the line. You know, as Jerry Glanville once said, you know, I'll be bagging groceries. You know, if you keep making calls like this, um, Parag Patel, that looks close. Hopefully, I got that close. Good morning. He says hi. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. You want to take this one real quick? Sure. Yeah, you can drink your Santa-sized coffee mug there and cough up your lungs. Uh, Keith coming in saying, I understand Tyler Algier is looking great, but why am I not seeing a lot of Patterson? I'm not sure. I know Patterson has dealt with some injuries this season, and uh, Algier has been somewhat of the hot hand. 
And Algier is much more of a battering ram uh, than Patterson. So if you're looking to, you know, establish some physicality up front, he can do that for you and grind some stuff, uh, grind up that opposing front seven. But I think you want to see some Patterson out there as well. You want to, I would have this about a 50, 50 split uh, because Patterson offers a dynamism that Algier just simply just doesn't have. Algier just does not have that top gear. Um, He's really good in terms of contact balance and vision and patience. But once he gets to that second level, guys close on him pretty quickly where Patterson's much more of a open field uh, dynamic player that you need to scheme some touches for in the game because, you know, running the football is far less explosive than passing in general. You need to get some dynamism out of that backfield as well. Probably the big reason Algier fell to the fifth round. So I don't know, maybe Patterson, I know he's had a couple injuries this season. Maybe they're looking to just work in Algier more that he's been hot, but you want to have both these guys uh, getting equal touches in my opinion. They got, um, they, he got nine carries, nine total touches, which I like him in the 15 range at most. Um, again, you start going, you know, I think it was the first game he was like, oh, Cordell Patterson was awesome. I'm like, Cordell Patterson ain't going to last. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't know. He doesn't know have the instincts of a running back through years and years and years of protecting himself and, and, and not, he runs everyone like he's trying to break it to the house and, and he, you can't take that kind of punishment. So 12 to 15 touches is a sweet spot for me with him. Um, and he had, uh, he had, he had Falcons ran 66 plays, which was a lot, but a lot of them were short yardage plays. I mean, I think they opened up the third quarter with a 14 play drive that didn't get any points. Um, but they had, um, they had 33 rushes. Tyler Algier had 18 and Cordell had eight, eight carries on 17 yards. The problem was, is there wasn't any space there at all. He's a fine to see him and then, and then go if, you know, a short yardage and it felt like they were running into a wall all the time. Tyler Rozier is a lot better at that type of, uh, of that type of running. And Falcons nation says, imagine if we were able to draft Jalen Carter, that's the dream um, requesting a trade in the same off season. It'd be a Pitts Julio type of situation all over again, where we don't get to see them play together. Um, yeah, it was, except, you know, the, the, the Pitts Julio situation was you don't have any wider, you don't have any offensive line and you've got an aging quarterback. So what were you going to get out of him anyway? The, you know, drafting Pitts. I was so against that pick. No offense to Kyle Pitts. I think he's amazing. It just, it wasn't the right fit for this team at the time, in my opinion. Uh, and I was very vocal about that. Even when my voice starts to give out, but Jalen Carter, Grady Jarrett. Yes, please. Yeah, looking back, it's just the nature of the tight end position, too. You know, there's only really one that's a difference maker in the NFL, uh, at least as far as a focal point on the offense in Travis Kelsey. And as far as EPA or any sort of output right now, if you looked at Kyle Pitts when he was playing, even in like a per game average because he's missed some time, you know, Jamar Chase probably would have been a bit better player. Jalen Waddle probably would have been a better player. Patrick Sertan, uh, Micah Parsons, and that's not even talking about Justin Fields, but that said, you know, we, you weren't drafting Kyle Pitts for what he was going to be his first year or his second year. You know, he's a, an alien type of prospect. So I get it. And we'll see what he looks like with better quarterback play as well. Right. He's very dependent on the quarterback getting him the ball. And Mariota might have been one of the least. Uh, throw it into tight window situation quarterbacks in this game, which that's I mean, Kyle Pitts with his catch radius should be able to dunk on anybody. Uh, so hopefully you get a quarterback there over the next couple of seasons that can take advantage of his preposterous catch radius and physical advantage on anybody. CL says the Falcons should draft a stud wide receiver. Uh, 
don't get me wrong, the Falcons need another target out there. Uh, Pitts, London, and I'd like somebody with a, a little different skill set out there. We got our, you know, we got our two power forwards out there. Um, now we need a, you know, a small forward, someone with a little bit more explosion out there. Uh, but I, I, this team, for me, this team isn't ready. There's this team isn't ready to say, okay, we need a, a third wide receiver. Mm-hmm. When I just ran off some of the names on that defense. You know, when you're running out there with who is that guy? Where did he come from? You know, I mean, half the guys on the defense were practice squad pickups, waiver wires from other teams that you're paying veteran minimums. That's half the team. You know, and if you don't have, if you've got your quarterback situation sorted, then you, I, I would turn towards the, I would turn towards the defense first, knowing that, you know, this is a type of offense that's going to want to run the ball and, and get some ISOs that I don't need a third wide receiver. If I've got Pitts in London and I can drop Zacchaeus in a slot as a third guy, someone like that, or you know, a, a, a veteran that I'm paying five million instead of one point two, uh, and upgrade that position, I don't need to necessarily go for a, a stud wide receiver. You just spent a four and an eight on pass catchers. I don't want to spend another eight on one when I've got other problems, including defensive back, uh, edge, and interior defensive line. That's that's where I'm ready to start turning on that one in CL and. And uh, Breezley Bruns, uh, that's a cool username. <laughs> he says, benching a veteran quarterback in favor of a rookie while still in the hunt is a horrible, horrible decision. Um, again, still in the hunt is a relative term. You'd lost three in a row, four out of five, somewhere in that neighborhood with your veteran quarterback. So your veteran quarterback wasn't winning games for you. And the only reason you were still in the hunt is because they've expanded the playoffs to the point that they want everybody to be in the hunt until week 17 or 18, even if your team stinks. So the week that they're eliminated from the playoffs, we're talking about them possibly having the, the, the fourth worst record in the NFL. And to your point, two of those games have been with their rookie quarterback, but they were in the hunt. They're in the hunt. Now they're looking at a top five draft pick. That's the absurdity of it. This is not a playoff team. It's not. And that, that veteran quarterback went and got knee surgery th- three days later uh, to, to end his career or end his, end his season. So he wasn't playing all that well. Yeah. He's injured. Chicken or the egg on that one. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not placing blame, but Marcus Mariota wasn't playing very well and he's hurt. Yeah. Time, time for Desmond Ritter, Breezley. Yep. It's uh is what it is. I mean, also now you get a chance to evaluate him and you're not going to be picking top three. Uh, so you're really in that prime second quarterback off the board range here. Maybe somebody wants to come up and trade with you. If you can get ahead of the Colts, maybe the Colts offer you a third round pick this year to swap one spot. You know, you're that kind of area right now. So we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And as far as a CL's comment about the Falcons drafting a stud wide receiver, if there was one available that with your top pick there, that was worthy of that draft slot. It's such a value position in today's game that I wouldn't even, you know, it's like, Oh my God, another one. Well, he's the best player and at such a valuable spot. I mean, when Christian Kirk's getting what 15 million a year or something, uh, then I, I'm not totally against it, but before you, you know, walk me off the plank here, folks, there's not going to, I don't think there's a wide receiver that's worthy of that draft slot this year. Um, it's just not, I don't think it's a, a great wide receiver class at the very top of the draft. Quentin Johnson might be the first one off the board. He's good, but he's kind of a one trick pony down the seam. Not, not much. Uh, doesn't have many, uh, routes in his bag right now that he runs at a uh, high rate because they don't ask him to do it. So I don't think you're going to be uh, no Falcons fan. I don't think you should be worried about taking a wide receiver if you're picking in the top 10. 
When we were scouting football players from high school to college, the class of 2008 was epic for wide receiver. Those guys turned into uh, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, who went four and six. That's about where the Falcons will be picking again. Yeah, Julio Jones or A.J. Green are available at four and six in this draft. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You give me a 6'3", 215-plus guy running in the four threes who, with that – not only have that, those guys have body control and yeah. they just total packages. Okay. It's not this draft. Okay. You yeah. know, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to say never on anything. Yeah. But wide receiver isn't where I would, I would want to go on this one. Um, yeah. Anthony White comes in, says, this is my first time listening. Thanks, fellas. Anthony, thank you. Happy holiday to you and yours. It's a great picture uh, on there. And Mark's ready to say that the, the, uh, the officials are tanking. You know, they're they're leaking out information. They're talking about, look at how much money you're paying these guys to not work anymore. And we're out here working and we want more money. Uh, doing a poor job is not the way to do it. And uh, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember the baseball umpires strike. They weren't allowed to strike. So they all mass resigned uh, instead as a as a workaround. And half of them said, bye. <laughs> they didn't get jobs back. They were not rehired. So uh, that would be interesting out there. And Keith kind of makes me feel this way too wouldn't it be nice if we had a player like bosa out there that would be fun you look at the difference between the teams that go a long way and the teams that don't or just you know are the atlanta falcons i feel like there is a a game wrecker on defense every one of those guys has a has a player that can wreck a game single-handedly on on defense and you can you know we can talk about corner and all this stuff but that guy's usually in the front five edge mm-hmm defensive lineman who can take over a game. Cause again, it's easier for me to throw around AJ Terrell than it is for me to get my quarterback to be missed by Joey or Nick Bosa or miles Garrett. Those guys are a little bit scarier to me. So uh, I agree. Uh, my, my thoughts on Arthur Smith is I think he's done a, a great job. I said at the beginning, I could pull up the clips at the beginning of the year. This could be a better team with a worse record. I think this is a better team than they were last year. I do. I absolutely do. The The, the team last year won a, a, some close games against some really bad teams. They had one of the easiest schedules in the league. Uh, and they won. They went 7-2 and two in one-score games. That doesn't always translate. And the schedule is tougher this year, despite what the yeah. records might say. You know, you're, you're getting L.A. in L.A. before they have all the injuries, and you played well against them. This team is a better team headed in the right direction with $92 million of available payroll. Arthur Smith's doing a good job. He's doing a really good job. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in Fontenot this offseason with a bunch of high picks and a bunch of money. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're definitely ascending. Uh, you got to get it right though. And we'll be interesting to see how this offseason goes. A lot of money, a lot of picks and a again, just an ascending roster overall and hopefully most of the coaching staff's back. Also hoping Dean Peace is doing well. Uh, gotten run over um, before the game. Merry Christmas, Dean. Uh, that was uh, that was last week against the. That Saints. was last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah so he's fine. But did you see him? Did you see him talk about that one about when the doctor asked him where he was? I uh, no, I did not see that. All right. Well, let me. We've got to get out of here, and I'm going to end with this one. Let me. Let me see if I can find it uh, on my hard drive. If I didn't keep it, if I didn't, it's on my TikTok and my YouTube channel. Um, this might be the longer one here. Just kind of looking up, going, what the hell just happened? And uh, 
Good question. The good thing was the doctor asked me um, where I was, and as I'm looking up, you know, they, they, they print Superdome on the top there. So, so it was good because I looked up, I go, okay, Superdome. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm at the Superdome. That's awesome. I, I loved it. Um, real quick, free agent quarterbacks, who do you go for? I'm not going for a free agent. You, you will. You'll, you'll need to bring in a backup. You'll need to bring in uh, another quarterback. Who are you going for? Just a- uh, the best scheme fit for me would be Daniel Jones uh, because he is such an athlete out here. You can do a lot of option off of him. I and mean, we saw what he's been doing with uh, Brian Dabble this season. It's obviously not a long-term starter there, but as far as a scheme fit, potential upside, uh, who could maybe pull the best Ryan Tannehill um, this offseason, I think Daniel Jones' skill set is very similar uh, to Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that sticks out to me. Again, he's not going to be a, I don't, I don't think, don't want to talk in absolutes, but a franchise turnaround savior type of quarterback. Uh, and I think a lot of the offense this season has been, has propped him up uh, with the play action attempts and the design. But again, I think just as far as the skill set and how he matches the scheme, I think he would be a, an, a big upgrade for this Falcons team from what I've seen this season. Yeah. The experience in there helps. Um, I would be more willing to go with Desmond Ritter still um, for this team for now and shoot a little higher than what he might cost you. Yeah, he's going to cost um, a good bit. He probably because the best he's going to be expensive, and I don't think it. You know, because the he, they're doing well, and the Giants would probably offer him a good contract or whatnot. But um, hey, Drew Lock will be a free agent. He can run a little <laughs> bit, uh, decent arm. Should be should be relatively cheap to bring in as a, a someone to compete. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to look into that. I haven't looked at all the possibilities, Keith, uh, just yet. But when we come back next week, we're going to start turning our our eyes towards our Wednesday show. Will be more towards. We'll figure it out. One of the one of the shows next week, either Monday or Wednesday, will be more towards NFL as a whole, draft prospects, and we'll start doing uh, that as well. We'll always talk a little bit of Falcons. We'll always talk a little bit of Broncos, but we're going to start looking at prospects in the NFL draft a little bit at the turn of the year, which is coming right up. Yeah. Until next time, y'all. We'll be back here at nine o'clock on Wednesday morning, and we are headed over to Mile High Huddle on YouTube right now to discuss the dumpster fire that is the denver broncos right now so until then everybody have uh, a good day hopefully you got a day off watch some premier league today they should be they should be kicking off already boxing day chelsea plays tomorrow um good good morning type of entertainment until your football kicks back on in the day so until then we'll see you next time appreciate y'all being here